would, turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. We are in the last few verses of Hebrews. As we, yeah, as we close out this series. And I will say this, even as I say that phrase, we're closing out a series reminding us that Jesus is better. I hope that it's not just in a series on the book of Hebrews that we know that Jesus is better, right? It is certainly throughout this book that we have seen that truth resonating and, and, and being uh, kind of confronted with. But I hope that week after week, no matter what book of the Bible we are in, that you will be reminded that Jesus is better. Right? He's not just better. He's not a, just a better covenant. He's not just a better sacrifice, a better priest. Jesus is better than whatever's happening in your life. The worst situation you can possibly be in, Jesus is better. And the best scenario, that, that the, better, the best job, the best promotion, the best marriage, Jesus is better than all of that. He's better than your worst. He's better than your best. And so, May, may we be reminded of that yet again. As you're turning there, I want to give one uh, kind of big reminder for two weeks from today. So two weeks from today is Move Up Sunday. Uh, Jerry mentioned a little while ago that next week is the Sundays on Sunday where uh, kind of all the boys and girls, students kind of move into their new life groups. There will actually be some new adult life groups starting at the same time. Um, and so, so two weeks from today is a big day for us, kind of the start of a new church year. And this means that we need to have all of our life group leaders in place. And we need, we need positions filled. And I'll be honest, we still need some of those filled. And I I just want you to be asking God, even throughout this sermon, God, do you want me to serve in one of those vacant spots? And maybe this is totally out of the norm for you. Maybe this has not been your regular thing at all. Maybe you're one who uh, kind of sits back. Maybe you're one who is here week after week, but that would be a major commitment for you. And I just want you to, to ask that of the Lord. Do you want me to serve particularly among preschool and children. And if that's you, yes, Lord, I want to say yes to that. Then like today, would you go up to Emily or Gretchen, find somebody and say, I want to serve. Jerry, who, if you don't even know who they are, you find me, find Jerry that you saw up here earlier and say, like, I want to serve. I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm willing. Uh, that would mean more than you might realize. You taking that initiative would mean a lot. But that day is also a big day for us as a church. I would say that it's even like one of those landmark days for us because along with us raising up new life group leaders uh, to serve here, we are also commissioning some 50 people for the glory of God in all the earth. So we, I want you to hear this, that we see both of those things as necessary. We see the work of us sending people out and people serving here as necessary for making disciples. I, I would just say that August 14th, 2022, you want to be here. 
Like you want to be here that day. It's, it's a big day. Bring your friends, bring your life group, bring your family, bring your people that aren't your friends at Kroger. It doesn't matter. Bring everybody. Like this is that kind of day. Like when we will see the, the hand of God at work in us and then from us as we send people out. This is not just a commercial, but this is all because we believe Jesus is better. Jesus is worth serving in preschool because those preschoolers need to know that Jesus is better. He's worth serving in kids ministry because those kids need to know that Jesus is better. He's worth serving in Rankin County or France or Uganda or wherever other place. We, because Jesus is better in all of those places too. So this is what we do. And, it, and so if you believe that Jesus is better, will today be the day that you choose to live that out? Yes, I'm going to choose to believe and to display that Jesus is better. My sacrifice, my willingness to go, my willingness to stay. And by the way, if you stay, we expect you to serve. That's the anticipation. It's not like goers serve, stayers sit. Right? Everybody catch that? I'm just making sure this is your pastoral warning. Okay. So with all of that, let's go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings, grace, be with all of you. Again, this, this word reminding us, even these last few verses, reminds us that this was a letter to a group of people, right? Two people who were trusting in Jesus, who had followed Jesus. So they're getting all of these reminders, oh, page after page, that Jesus is better. Remember that Jesus is better than all that they previously knew about the, the, the one who was to come. Like, so imagine that, he's, he's better than what they had imagined he would be. They thought he was going to be this or that, and yet he's better, he's greater. Let's, let's in fact remember some, we won't be able to cover all that Jesus offers us today, but let's cover some of what Jesus offers according to this passage. Jesus grants us peace because he is alive. Jesus grants us peace because he is alive. Look at verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Now we, we ought to know, if you didn't, we, we know that Jesus is God. Now I realize that that can be incredibly confusing and the reality of all of that does take us to uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? It, is, it takes faith 
to believe that Jesus is God. Like at the end of the day, like we can talk about all kinds of apologetic work and trying to convince people and show people the, the reason that this works. But at the end of the day, it does take believing in something that you can't actually tangibly see, right? So, so faith is at work here. When we say Jesus is God, we look at the word and say, oh yeah, that makes sense. But it's because we have faith that the word is true. So there's, there's a believing in this. But think about that. How is it that the God of peace gives us peace? How is that that even is the case? It's because he brought Jesus, his son, back to life. Right? This Jesus that we've been talking about for the last several weeks, he was a sacrifice. Like, he did actually die. Right? We we don't have to wait till Good Friday to celebrate that Jesus died. And we don't have to wait till Easter to celebrate that he came back, right? So Jesus is alive. I was looking back at some of these statistics, maybe not statistics, like history points. Maybe you've heard these before. But Jesus, as we've already heard, is called the founder and perfecter of our faith. So he founded what we know as Christianity, right? Jesus is really the, the founder. He was there for the foundation of the earth and the universe and everything else. So he certainly founded Christianity. It's even based after what his title, right? The Christ. But think about other religions and their founders, right? Like Muhammad, who founded Islam, died 632. Sayyid Ali Muhammad founded the Baha'i faith, died 1850. Gohatma Siddhartha, which we know as Buddha, died 483. Charles Russell founded Jehovah's Witness, died 1916. Joseph Smith, who founded Mormonism, died 1844. Mary Baker Eddy founded Christian Science, died 1910. Ron Hubbard founded Scientology, died 1954. But Jesus Christ founded Christianity. Sure, he died around 30 or 33, but guess what? Three days later, the God of peace brought him back to life and he is alive today and forevermore. Jesus Christ lives. Like he's alive. This is, this is why we can have peace. Why you can put your head on your pillow at night and sleep is because Jesus is alive. You don't have to fret and worry. You don't have to like twiddle your thumbs and, and bite your fingernails because all that might happen tomorrow. Jesus lives today and he will be alive tomorrow. This is why we have peace. We, we don't need to fret. The one true God, the one who rules and reigns is our God. Do you realize that? That's what, what, what makes him the God of peace is that he rules and reigns over it all. He, he does not fret. He does not worry. He does not wonder what tomorrow will hold. So if we, if we just find ourselves trusting in him, resting in him. So, so think about this, like think about how that plays out. Worried about your bank account? Worried about your retirement account? 
We know the one who rules and reigns over your account. We know the one who rules and reigns over your budget. We know the one who rules and reigns over your household. One who rules and reigns over your marriage. The one who rules and reigns over your children and your grandchildren. The one who rules and reigns is the God of peace. This is Jesus. Certainly, you could see just in that one alone, Jesus is better. Gives us something to hope in, something to find peace in. Not just that, we see that Jesus provides us leadership because he is our shepherd. Again, the second part there of verse 20, that God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. I don't, I mean, I know that if you've been in the church for many years, you have heard uh, talk about the good shepherd. You've heard of him in this way. You've heard of Psalm 23, which we'll look at in just a second. You've heard of that the Lord is your shepherd. You've heard these descriptions. And the truth is, for most of us, we don't always get that analogy because it's not right in front of us. If we have studied shepherds, it's really just been from a distance, right? It might be from a sermon illustration or from someone who's read a passage like this and done what I'm about to do and explain it. But we don't, we don't see shepherds, most of us, in our day-to-day -day life. We don't see all that they do and the way that they care, the way that they lead. But I want you to, to again with me, listen to Psalm 23. Listen to how this work of a shepherd is actually provides then leadership and, and then, of course, comfort. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hey kids, look up this way for just a second. What I want you to do right now is draw a shepherd. Draw what you imagine when you see a shepherd. Maybe it's got one of those big staffs with a hook on the end. Maybe he's wearing like a sash. Maybe he's, uh, maybe she, a shepherdess, right? Right? Someone who's, maybe they have sheep around them. And I want you to remember that the Lord leads us and cares for us like a shepherd cares for his sheep. Just, uh, it was a few years ago, a couple years ago, in fact, on Sunday evenings, we, we took a real slow walk through Psalm 23. I think in those few verses, uh, and there were some like 12 sermons or something. I mean, we, we really dove in deep. But I want you to remember some of what we learned there. 
we were reminded that, that even as it starts, the Lord, like those, those two words remind us that, that we could know God as personal, like that he is, he is a, uh, one that we can speak to, one who has a name. So even, even when, when Lord is capitalized, like all capital letters, it's not in Psalm 23, but when it is, right, it, make, it makes you remember Yahweh, he, that's his name. He's personal, one that we can speak to. I was thinking about this this morning as I was, I was praying. I, I just thanked God. Thank you for giving us prayer. Like we get to actually talk to the creator and sustainer of the universe. The one who's keeping your heart beating, you can talk to him. The one that is, that is holding you together, you can talk to him. The one that's spinning the world on its axis, you can talk to him. He's personal, but he's also sovereign. When we think about Lord, like this is a title. So it's both his name and a title. Oh, leader, oh, director, oh, one who is in charge. Far more than just like a boss, but, but sovereign. Sovereign means only ruler. He rules and reigns. We just talked about how this is good for us, that the God of peace is one who rules and reigns, rules and reigns over all of your affairs. You think you have a boss? No, he's got a boss. He might not even recognize him, but there is the Lord who rules and reigns over it all. So we can, we can know God as personal. We can know God as sovereign. And even when we think about him as shepherd, like the Lord is my shepherd. This is like experience God as loving. Know him as a loving God. Notice that there's something personal in this. Lord is my shepherd. Like he's, like you are the sheep in his flock. Does that make sense? Like you're not in some other flock somewhere else on some other hillside trying to find green grass, trying to find that, that river that is calm, still waters. You're in his flock on his hill. Micah Fries wrote this. He says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me, right? This passage reminds us that our hope in the darkest moments in life is not that God is strong and can do anything he wants, although that is true. Our hope is not that God is wise and he has all the answers, though that is true. Our hope instead is that God is present. He is with us. In, in a word, he is Emmanuel. This is our confidence. It is a reminder that we do not have to have the answers or even that everything has to be fixed for us to have confidence in God and for us to trust in him. Why do bad things happen to people who love God deeply? I do not know. But Emmanuel is a reminder that the greatest prize of the gospel is not that we get what we want or that life is always okay. The greatest prize of the gospel is God himself. It is God with us. It is Emmanuel. So, so this is why Jesus is better. 
He's my shepherd. And as shepherd, he is provisional, right? He's actually one who provides for us. He does give us what we need. It's not that he is only present with us. That would be enough, right? We just said that would be sufficient, but he does more. He overflows our cup. Sinclair Ferguson writes it this way. He says, Jesus must have read Psalm 23 with a deep sense of burden, for he knew that ultimately he himself was that good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. What Jacob and David saw only dimly, Jesus saw clearly. The shepherd must suffer for his sheep. As the good shepherd, Jesus would take the place of his sheep and be led to the slaughter. For them, he would be smitten. He would give everything of himself to provide everything for us. The implication here, since he was not spared, but delivered up for us all, we can be sure he will give us everything we need. Jesus will give you everything that you need. Here's what this means. When you say, the Lord is my shepherd, this means, if you were saying it, right? When I say the Lord is my shepherd, I'm saying I am not in charge. I'm acknowledging I'm in the care of the shepherd. I'm just a sheep. This isn't like mockery. This is, this is a, a reality. I'm just gonna be taken to the water. I'm gonna be taken to the grass. I'm gonna be brought through the, the darkest valley. I'm gonna be taken there, but I'm, I'm not in charge. I'm in the care of someone else, in the care of someone who knows better than I do. I'm in the care of the good shepherd who laid down his life for me. That's not even like, uh, hyperbole. That's not like proverbial. Oh, like I would, I would die for you. No, actually died for you. Actually laid down his life for those that he loved. So how can we not surrender to him? How do you look at him? How do I look at him and, and say, that is, is my king. That's my Lord, my savior. That's my shepherd, the one who provides for me, who gave everything for me, but I'm gonna go my way. No, service is too much. Obedience, it's, you're asking too much from me. See, this is how it works, though. I want you to hear this. Catch this. That the Lord is your shepherd all the time. That means his presence is with you always. Why do you think, then, that multiple times when, when there is this command to go, right, all the going we talk about, the command to serve, that with that, Jesus says, I'll be with you. Great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Sounds great. And lo, I am with you always. You don't have to do this alone. 
He says, I'm going to send you the Spirit, and then you're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, being a witness for me. You don't do this alone. We're not, that, that whole thing I gave at the beginning about being committed to serve in the church, being committed to go somewhere else and make Christ's name known, I'm, to be clear, not asking you to do something in your own strength. I don't want that. What we want is for us to rest and rely on the power and might of the almighty God. And when we lean in him, sure, it makes perfect sense for us to serve him. Because we're not doing it in our own strength anyway. We're not doing it in our own energy. We're not doing it of our own self. We're saying, I just want to surrender to whatever it is you want. See, this, this Jesus, that's the way he leads us. Jesus is better because he gives us leadership to do what is right. As our shepherd, he cares for us and provides for us and is there with us so that way we have no excuse to be lazy on our own. As we think about a, a full hope, our hope does not rest in just this life. Whew. I'm going to be honest, that'd be pretty sad, right? I mean, maybe you think your life's pretty great. It's not, right? Like, not in comparison to glory. Not just in comparison to all that is offered to us. I want you to know our hope is not in right now. Jesus promises us forever because he offers us a covenant. In fact, a better covenant, right? Think about the, the last part of verse 20. Jesus promises us forever. So listen to what it says. Now may the God of peace, the one who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, listen to this last part, by the blood of the eternal covenant, the forever la lasting, never ending, never stopping promise. Remember that his, his covenant is better, Right? It takes us back to Hebrews 8, but as it is, Christ has ordained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Right? The priest that, that comes for the, this covenant is the sinless sovereign. Hebrews still in chapter eight. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. We don't, the, the priests on earth are insufficient. Right, we think about how the, the, the place of worship was what we look toward is not just this building, not a temple, not a tabernacle, but instead the presence of God in heaven. We, we think about how Jesus himself perfected all that we need. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Jesus is a better covenant and a better sacrifice, Right? When we think that the blood covenant, by the blood of the eternal covenant, reminds us of his perfect sacrifice, 
Chapter nine, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sins. Jesus bled for your sins. Not his sins, for he was sinless. He had done nothing wrong, never thought wrong, never spoke wrong, never acted wrong, never did wrong. You were born wrong. I was born into sin. We, wicked in and of ourselves, we choose sin. But Jesus, perfect, gave us the sacrifice offers to us then a covenant, a promise that we can have with him for all eternity, which is something too, too vast for us to grasp. This is, this is a good Jesus, though. I, I want to pause just for a moment. I'm afraid that if I move too fast past that, that there might be somebody in the room who has never turned from themselves and their sinful ways and trusted in Jesus. So I need you to hear this. There's a perfect God, holy, righteous in all of his ways, who lovingly created you. And you, in your disobedient state, born a sinner, one who has offended God, broken his laws. And his punishment for that is eternity separated from him. But he, he sent his son Jesus to die for you, for the sins that you committed. So he's taking your place, we call that atonement, taking your place and then three days later, he conquered death, hell, the grave, your sin, conquered it all so that you could spend, that I could spend eternity, everlasting life with God. No longer separated. So what does that mean? How do I, how do I get that gift? That sounds great. You turn away from yourself, that sinful self, that, that the one who leans towards wrong. Turn away from your sin, yourself, your plans. You change identity. You say, I want God's ways. I want his plan. I want to obey his terms. Changing allegiances. We call that repentance. You turn away and you trust in Jesus. So, right now, trust in Jesus. See, Jesus works through us because he receives pleasure. So we keep going there into verse 21, right? Equip you with, so this is what we want. Now, may the God of peace, like we want the God of peace to do what? Verse 21, equip you with everything good that you may do his will so he wants you to work for him, to please him, to obey him. Why? Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Have you ever thought about that fact that it pleases God to do good work through you? I mean, think about it. Doesn't it 
please you when you teach someone something and then you see them successfully accomplish it? Parents, you remember teaching your kid to ride a bike? Never saw them? Like you, you hold them the back seat, you took the training wheels off, you hold the back seat of that, and then they, they don't fall? You're like, hey, good job. You're happy for them, but you're also happy like it pleased you that you got to be a part of that. You got to see them learn that. Raise your hand if you're a teacher in the room. Homeschool, private school, public school. What? Okay, you're a teacher. Anybody teach life group in the room? Anybody? Okay, so all of you, all of you teachers. You know what that's like? When you teach someone to do something, and you, you, or maybe moms, your dads, you're working on homework at night, and your kid, it clicks, and they finally, they finally get it, right? Isn't that, isn't that fulfilling? You see them, and they, they, they get a good grade? Like, as a teacher, you actually want, I know that students might not always believe this, but don't you want your students to make good grades? Like that's what you're hoping for for them. You're not hoping that you feel like a failure when they fail, right? But when they succeed, there's, there's equal, like, hey, great job. That means I taught them something, right? This is what we're, we're hoping for. By the way, we, we really want to be praying for our teachers. Even tonight, we're having a prayer walk at uh, Ann Smith. But, but on August 14th, I want to, Kind of side note, I hope you're here that night. That night, we will have a time for teachers, students, faculty members, homeschool, private school, public school, college, preschool, doesn't matter. Uh, all teachers, all faculty, all students, we're gonna, and, and church family to be here to pray for them and to hear a word from the scripture about your job over the next school year, what it means for you to be the light in your schools. So, August 14th, remember the morning is gonna be super exciting. We're super pumped about that. You get all day, buddy. You come back at night, it's gonna be exciting too. Uh, why? Because we were reminded in this, in this analogy even that Jesus receives pleasure when we do good that he's even not just taught us, he's giving us the ability to do. Ultimately, Jesus gives eternal life because he deserves glory. We talk about that, right? We talk about the fact that we, we look forward to the day when for all eternity in new heaven and new earth, we're giving like unhindered worship to God, right? We, this, this verse 21, right, is actually being lived out in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. That's what we're looking for, the eternal praise of God, the forever and ever, never ending, never stopping giving of glory to him. And right, giving glory is one of those common Christian phrases. Maybe it's, maybe it's too common. Maybe you're, it's just, uh, you're forgetting what all it means. Consider glory as literally meaning praise, wonder, luminosity, brilliance, beauty. Giving God glory is to express the praise he deserves because we are in awe of his brilliance and his radiant beauty. So that comes out in our singing. 
That comes out in our shouting. That comes out in our posture, whether it's on our knees or with our hands lifted up. And for all eternity, it comes out in our work, in the way that we strive to, to give him this kind of glory. That's why we say, together we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. This glorify God, we give glory to God by doing what? Making disciples of all nations. This is what we long for. This is our end game. You want to know what like end goal is? Revelation 7 is where it's at. Like, this is the end game. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God and to the lamb, the, that sacrifice, praise be to him from every nation, tribe and tongue. <clears throat> this is why, like this week, we're praying for the country of Egypt. We're praying for the 1.1 million Bedouin people that have 0.0% Christian. We're praying for the 1.8 million Moroccans that have 0.01%. This is why we're praying for teachers and students as they go start school this week, asking God to make Christ's name known in every school. This is why we have life groups every week so that we can give God glory in and through our church, family discipleship and relationship. He designed a perfectly formulated plan to receive glory for all eternity. So will you join with him in his plan? Like the church is his plan. Are you gonna come and just watch everybody else give him glory or are you gonna be in? This is what it means. When we say Jesus is better, Jesus is so much better than everything else. We will turn our lives completely upside down, surrendering and sacrificing it all to give him the glory he deserves. And we don't wanna wait till eternity for it to start. We don't wanna wait till heaven. We don't just pray a prayer and then say, I can't wait for the next 30 years, then I'll start praising him. Then my life will reflect his glory. No, 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 it's right now. So, Right, as you consider how, how to respond on a day like this, when we are reminded that Jesus is better for all that he gives us and all that we know he is worthy of, I would say that the first and best response is to trust in Jesus. As I mentioned just a little while ago, there may be some of you in this room right now who if there was something for you to white knuckle, you would white knuckle it. And I don't wanna let go. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna release whatever this thing is that's stopping me from trusting. And I'm just asking you today to open your hands, trust in Jesus, turn away. Your, your plan won't work. You're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not strong enough. I'm sorry this wasn't like your pep talk but Jesus is, and he's offering to you to fill you, that, that you would be able to, to stand before a holy God because he is good enough, he is strong enough, he is smart enough. So trust in him, right where you sit. Maybe you've maybe got more questions about that. And in just a moment, you can make your way to this room on my left and you can find someone who will open the word with you and help you answer those questions. Maybe, maybe your response today needs to be to rest. 
maybe your, your wheels are just spinning and you're striving so hard. So today, maybe you pause and you just rest in the God of peace. And you're, you don't have to fret about your kids. You don't have to fret about the start of school. You don't have to fret about your job, your marriage. You're just gonna rest, not, not like just sit back and do nothing. You're gonna rest in your good shepherd, in the God of peace, that he is gonna walk through this valley with you. And he will be on the mountaintop too, and everywhere in between. Maybe you would take comfort in Jesus today. Maybe today, you really would. You would commit today to serve the Lord for his pleasure. Maybe you, maybe you would say yes to this life group positions or public declarations of Jesus. Maybe you would, again, maybe you would stun Gretchen or Emily or somebody and you would tap them on the shoulder and say, I'm in. Maybe out of your commitment to Jesus, this would be your next step. Maybe it's time for you to commit to being a part of this family. You've been a guest for a while and we're glad that you're a guest, but maybe it's time for you to belong to commit to us and let us commit to you. And maybe if that's the thing you want to do today, you too could make your way to my left. Say, I, I wanna belong to Colonial Heights. You can begin that process. But as all of us must do, let's give God the glory he deserves. Let's, let's spend time in our response, praising the one and only true God. Jesus is better. Would you stand with me as we respond?